most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins, and we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. second reading from Ephesians chapter 1. God desires to lavish us with his never-ending love. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose and will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Word of the Lord. Having a plan is always better than not having a plan. Thinking through how a situation might unveil itself to you and what you might do in those certain circumstances is a better course of action than flying by the seat of your pants and taking a let's-just-see-what-happens kind of attitude. This is why they have fire drills at schools. No one wants to even think 
about a fire at a school, but I guarantee you it's going to go better if it happens at a place where the children have a plan, where they've been equipped with where to be and how to get there and where to meet after. It's good to have a plan. No one wants their car to break down on the side of the road, but that's going to be far less traumatic if you have a plan. If you're prepared for such an occurrence, things are going to be much better for you. Now, I'm just guessing in this next point, kind of leaving my area of expertise just a little bit, going out on a limb just a bit. If I'm wrong, you can tell me after church that I'm wrong, or not, you know, whatever. When a young woman is looking for a young man to date, it would seem to me that finding a man with a plan would be an awful lot more attractive than just a boy with his toys or just a guy who just sighs. Maybe. It's good to have a plan. Our God has plan. That's a truth that we see and celebrate anew each Christmas as we see God's plan come to fruition in the birth of Jesus. It's a plan that he unveils throughout the millennia, giving sneak peeks and dropping hints until the time was right. Then, in the land of Israel... In the town of Bethlehem, from the womb of his chosen virgin Mary, came forth the fulfillment of that plan in Jesus. That's why one of the Christmas verses that we look at almost every year, it's Paul's encouragement to the Galatians in chapter 4 when he says, when the set time Had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under law that we might receive adoption to sonship. God most certainly was the man with the plan. And his plan was carried out, this should be no surprise to you, carried out to perfection. But God's plan is so much bigger than just a Christmas night. God's plan was so much bigger than just a babe in Bethlehem. So much bigger than just a child king. So much bigger than just a Hebrew hero. His plan involved you. It involved me. That's why the Apostle Paul prays the way that he does in our reading for today. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Why does Paul pray like this? Why does Paul pray like this for you and for me? It has to be because he knows a thing or two about the human heart. He knows a thing or two about the human mind. He knows a thing or two about temptation because he faced it. 
And he knows that those that would read his words face temptations too. I doubt if anyone here today is going to be tempted, and if they are, I doubt if Satan will win, that today you turn your back and deny Christ. The devil knows that. That's why his temptations come in a different form. If he likely can't today get us to deny Christ, well, then maybe he can get us to just push him a little bit further towards the edge of the radar. Maybe he can just distract us enough that we slide him over, that our priorities get just askew, just enough that we back burner Jesus when we live our lives as if we are the ones who are in control. We're really writing God and his plan out of our lives when we spend our lives and our effort looking after earthly things, when we consider them in our minds to be more pressing than the far more important heavenly things, we're really telling God that his plans are no good. We don't need them. We've got our own. When we chase after earthly riches and are consumed by that quest. We do it at the expense of what God tells us are real riches, real heavenly riches in Christ. We give those things up. We give up God's plan for our own. Our sinful nature darkens our minds and our eyes. The sinful influence in the world that we live in convinces us that their way is right and God's way is wrong. We take more stock in the inheritance that a family member is leaving us or the one that we hope someday to be able to leave for our children than in the glorious inheritance that is ours in Jesus. We think more about earthly money than the riches of God's glory. We take little time to think about heavenly things, and we do even less to secure that inheritance for ourselves and for the next generations. But God, in spite of it all, (coughs) is the man with the plan. He's the man with the plan, even though he knows that he's including us sinners in that plan. In fact, it's because of our shortcomings, it's because of our failures that God devises the plan. The plan to have you with him forever, the plan that our sins could be forgiven, that we could be washed clean. God's the only one who could save us. He's the only one who could come up with a plan to bring his people to his side. He's the only one that could deliver on that plan, that could carry it out And so that's what he does. He's the man with the plan. Listen to Paul's words. Hear him call God for who he is, the man with the plan. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Do you want to know how much God loves you? Think about when he started 
loving you. It wasn't when you were grown up and mature enough to become an active member of his church and a profitable member of his kingdom. It wasn't when you confessed your love for him. It wasn't when you decided that you wanted to be on God's team. It wasn't when your offerings reached a specific point. It wasn't when you were born to Christian parents. It wasn't when you grew up to be a good little boy or girl. God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Before Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God chose them and loved them. Before you and I were born into sin, God chose us and loved us. Before we made a royal mess of our lives with our sinful selfishness and pride, he chose us and he loved us. God loves you not because of you, but because of him. He loves you not because of your obedience, not because of your accomplishments or accolades. He loves you because he is a God of love. He loves you because he is the man with the plan. For the creation of the world, before the first let there be fell off of the lips of our creator God, he loved you. He knew everything about you, and he still loved you. He knew the things that you don't share with anyone, the things that you rightly keep locked into your brain. He knew about you the things that you don't put on the Christmas card or on the Facebook post. Yet he loved you. Your sinful thoughts and words and deeds, no secret to God. And yet he loves you all the same. Nothing that you could do could change it. No sin that you commit could make him change his mind. Or it could take away the fact that God has a plan, a plan of love for you. In love, God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. God predestined our place in his family. No earthly parent can do that. No parent can will a child into existence. Ask the young couple that's struggling to conceive. That's been their prayer, that they could just snap their fingers and that God would bless them, but that's not the way it works. Ask the couple that's struggling through an adoption, through the waiting and the hoops and the roller coaster of emotions, waiting for everything to line up just right, waiting for a birth mother to place a child for adoption and then to go through with it, waiting for a court to approve. Ask them. You can't just will a child into a family, but God can. God can and he has for you and for me. God has adopted you into his family in short, to be quite simple, because he wanted to. Because he wanted to. 
I wanted to. That's not a good enough excuse for a child to give as to why he took a toy away from his sister. But it's a great reason. It's enough of a reason for us, for God to answer the question, why have you adopted me? That's the answer that God gives as to why he loves us, why he has adopted us into sonship, why he has claimed us to be a part of of his family because he wanted to, because it fell within his will and good pleasure. And what a joy to be a recipient of the pleasure and will of God. What a blessed place to be. Part of the plan from the man. Can you hear the grace of God just dripping from each syllable of this sentence? This is one that deserves to be on a picture or on a screensaver or etched into the memory banks of the Christian's mind. Just listen. Just rejoice. In love, God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in Jesus, the one he loves. The man with the plan. The plan to bring you to his side and to have you live with him forever. He continues his gracious plan. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. God's plan is a mystery to those who don't have faith. It was in a different place that this same apostle Paul said it this way, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who know the man and his plan, God's grace is the sweetest sound that our ears could ever hear. We see in Jesus love in human flesh. We see at Christmas the love story between God's and his people being revealed. We see the baby who was born to bear your sins and mine, we see Jesus who lived a life so that he could purchase your life and redeem us. We see Jesus who died so that death would be destroyed. We see a Savior who rose so that we one day would rise. Foolishness, some would say. For us, it's the master plan from the master. It's the plan gets us to heavenly glory. It's the plan that means everlasting life, peace, rest, hope, and joy with Jesus. It's a pretty good plan. The payment price that Jesus paid was sufficient. The blood that he shed was enough to be the atoning sacrifice for your sins and mine and for the sins of the world. He lavishes his grace on us. It overflows in abundance. Listen as Paul continues. In him we were also chosen, 
having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God works out all things according to his purpose and plan. God works out everything according to his will. In short, in summary, God's the man with the plan. Nothing can change it. Nothing can take it away. Nothing can distract or distort the plan that God has. And when you're a part of that plan, that's a good place to be. Did someone in your family play a game with you in conjunction with giving you a gift? Did they play a distraction game or try to fool you? Did any of you get a little tiny gift in a big giant box this year? Sometimes loved ones do that. They play coy because they want to maximize the surprise. They want to funnel all of those emotions and all of that anticipation and the joy into into just one single moment. But that's not the way that our God gives us his gift of grace. He doesn't try to hide it. He doesn't play his cards close to the vest. He's not coy with giving us his grace. He's out in the open. He puts his gracious plan for us down on the pages of of Holy Scripture and, and he carves them into our hearts and into our minds. He wants us to have the fullness of the joy that can be ours, that is ours in Jesus. He sends his Holy Spirit through word and sacrament. He makes that Holy Spirit a seal and a deposit and a guarantee. Through holy baptism, we know what God's plan is. We know that we are a part of it. And we know that we have an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade, kept in heaven for us. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is that deposit. He guarantees that an even greater payday is in our future. He guarantees that the rest of the inheritance will be ours. The joy that you experience now in the church of God, in the family of Christ, it pales. It's just the initial payment. Guaranteeing a, a future hall of the riches of the glory of God. The Holy Spirit is that seal, that promise. Our baptism reminds us who we are and whose we are. And it tells us that God is the man with the plan. God has a plan, not just to save us, but to spread his gospel in the world. And his plan is to use people like you and like me. His plan is that through us, empowered by the gospel, with that gospel message driving us, with it in our hearts and on our lips, that many more might know who God is, that many more might enjoy the real meaning of Christmas, that many more might see God as the man with the plan. In life, it's good to have a plan. 
But it's even better. In fact, it's the best thing ever to have the man with the plan and to be able to call him Father. It's the best thing ever to be a part of God's plan and to know him as a God of love. That's our hope. That's our reality. That is our everlasting joy in our brother and in our Savior, Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.